0: Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Or you're welcome to connect with me personally. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. Well, today we're going to talk about one of the sectors that has been uh, Really interesting over the years how it's really grown in popularity uh, with investors of all sizes, um, and that's uh, self-storage properties. You know, and some people think of self-storage as those, those little ugly buildings on the side of the road with with orange doors. But uh, the the market has really grown now, and it's interesting to see some of the big beautiful uh, projects, uh, urban projects, and things. And uh, it's become a really big business. But how has uh, COVID impacted it? How is the economy impacting it? How about some of the migration that's been going on? Uh, how about the work from home? Well, we're going to hear from an expert today. Please welcome my guest, is Tom Silvia. He's a senior economist with Moody's Analytics. Tom, thank you for joining us, sir.
1: Michael, an absolute
0: pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, well, first of all, I'm just curious about when you look at self storage overall around the U.S. Um, how, how are the properties performing?
1: Quarter one was fantastic, but I want to give you a kind of a little bit of a backstory before we get right into that. I mean, self storage is a fun, fun sub sector—a sector on its own to to cover. So much variability, kind of so much of a roller coaster up and down over the years, really over the last decade or so. Uh, so that that roller coaster is kind of continuing. Uh, Pre-COVID, so let's say 2016 to 2019, things weren't looking great. There was a lot of negative pressures in the sector, most of it coming from the supply side. Uh, we saw just a glut of supply from really 16 through 19, even through 20, actually, which is interesting because there was a lot of uh, reduction in new construction for a lot of other sectors, um, but self-storage, it kind of continued to uh, to push through. But vacancy rates were trending upwards for four straight years. They finished 19 at um, a near record level of about 15%. I think it was like 14.5% or so. Um Rent was stagnant, edged downward actually over that four or five year time period. Um, but it wasn't really for the lack of demand. That was pretty consistent around you know 175,000 units uh, annually which is pretty strong historically. Um, it was really a supply issue. Uh, there was just a lot of institutional awareness Right in the last decade or so. so so you know, whether it was REITs, other institutional investors, and then it was, you know, it was it was all of us and our brothers throwing up uh, stealth storage on any vacant land we had, right because of that low overhead associated with building it. And so once it became apparent that, there was a need for it. There was a lot of speculative construction. And that really caused this softness, this weakness in the market coming up until um, the pandemic. And then the pandemic hits. And the crazy thing is, it kind of jolts the sector out of this this weak period, out of the doldrums. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really fascinating. Um absorption jumped for 2020 now, absorption jumped. Uh, over 200,000 units, um, most since 2016. And the first quarter numbers were absolutely sparkling in 2021. So there's a continuation here. Uh, we're we're going to be around an absorption of 100,000 units just for the quarter alone. So so whether it's we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, and that's helping, or it's just kind of more of what we saw during the pandemic continuing now into quarter one as the uncertainty kind of goes away and as the economy grows. But but I think we'll talk about that as as we're you know we're online today. But really, things things are great. Um, 90, 90 basis point uh, decline in the vacancy rate in the first quarter. That's a record for first quarters um, since we've been tracking this closely uh, over a decade ago. Year-over-year um, year rent growth is somewhere between 5 and 6% at this point. Wow. So we're, we're strong. Um, vacancy rates now about 13.7%. And so that's, that's the current status. 2020, a couple of bumps in the road, but we ended up in quarters three, quarter four, doing pretty well. And then 2021, we've started off with a bang.
0: Well, Tom, that's uh, surprising to me. What is causing the increased uh, demand?
1: Yeah, I mean, self-storage thrives on change, right? So so self-storage does not, like consistency as much of many of our other sectors that we talk about in CRE. So we have upheaval, we have people moving, we have people not moving, we have people moving back in with parents and not in their dorms anymore. We have people starting home offices that never thought they would have had to, so they had to put their junk somewhere. Oh, yeah. We had, you know, so so all of these kind of life changes, all of this upheaval, Um, maybe it was also, they, uh, decided to keep a lot of toilet paper. That would have been earlier in the pandemic, but, but, you know, that's, that's one of the jokes we use there, but really, I think a lot of it comes down to this, this period of, of change, period of uncertainty. Uh, movement in regard to remote work, movement in regard to moving away from where they were. And in the past, when we do our studies on what are some of the drivers, at least at the national level, it seems like when there is more migration, when there's more movement, when there's more upheaval, that's when uh, self-storage gets a little kick in the butt.
0: Okay. Well, that makes sense. And uh, when you say that uh, people working at home you know, have, have to put, put their junk somewhere. You must've seen myself storage locker. Cause you're calling stuff junk. <laughs> <laughs> no, no judgment
1: here, <laughs> but we all have it, right? A lot of yeah. us are hoarders. Hey, there's TV shows about being hoarders. And if we're going to have to be a home, if we're going to have to have a home office, you know, so there had to be a little bit of movement
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I was storing some things. Um, I had some uh, rental condos down in Florida with were furnished and I did them month furnace, and I started just storing the furniture. So, well, I'll probably need it for future. And then after a couple of years, I'm like, wait, the storage is costing more.
1: Than- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, Michael, you bring up another really good point there too. That you know, I'm kind of joking through this on the upheaval thing and, and lots of changes, but there there was some you know negative sides obviously of the pandemic, and a lot of companies had to shutter their doors, and some of those inventories went into self storage, especially for smaller companies, uh, mom and pop types, and so they, they didn't they weren't completely able to liquidate, or they moved to an online presence completely, and they utilized some of the those self-storage units to kind of run their their online shop, at least in the time being, if they, you know, depending on what they're going to do going forward. So, so once again, there's this element of upheaval that that kind of promotes a little bit of of growth when it comes to self-storage.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. What has COVID done to um, new supply? Has it uh, impacted it as you can tell yet?
1: So what we saw in 2020 was was fairly strong. Um, It it kind of stuck with what we've been seeing over the last uh, bunch of years. I I think our number for 2020 is right around 250,000 units, and that's right in that average of what we saw over the last four or five years. So COVID, unlike some of the other sectors that were really harmed. in terms of the, the development process due to COVID, I think it's partially the ease at which these buildings can be constructed. Certainly some are harder than others, climate controlled, a little bit harder than non-climate controlled, you know. But, but generally when you look at self-storage versus trying to build an amenity-filled apartment or a amenity-filled office or whatever it might be, retail, whatever it might be, you know it's it's a lot easier and so even if there were health issues even if there were some government mandated regulations whether it was an essential or not you know for the most part developers were able to push forward and the construction numbers were were solid so so which makes which actually makes the fact that vacancy has fallen and we had some rent growth throughout the year, even the the more amazing for the sector, right? Absorption was strong.
0: Yeah. So if you've continued then to have good, strong supply, you have improving numbers in the space. Um, you have COVID here. We are at, uh, you know, beginning of May of 2021 as, as we talk today. Um, it seems like, I don't envy your job trying to forecast the future as COVID seems to be We're hopefully coming to an end here, at least in most parts are around the country and the U.S. How do you think self-storage performs moving forward?
1: Interesting question. And so we had lots of supply, right? So so once again, that, that backstory is really important here tons of supply, which brought the vacancy rate up to around 15%, and now it's dropped a little bit from that peak, but it's still a little bit soft. So I have a feeling, and what we're seeing in our numbers, because we, and on the supply side, we actually go out and survey developers. So our kind of 12 to 18 month pipeline is pretty certain. And we actually are starting to get the sense that the developers see that there's enough out there right so this is actually good in a lot of ways for for future rent growth and further vacancy declines because it seems as though that while 2020 kind of was that high point 2021 we're going to still get some new supply that was you know in the pipeline even pre-pandemic ready to go some of those larger more institutional type of projects they're going to come online and then we do see a little bit of a drop-off. So on the supply side, we, we have an interesting situation because the developers feeling like, hey, all the speculative supply was put online, vacancy rates went up pre-pandemic. thing, All this upheaval caused absorption to go up a little bit, but maybe that's not going to continue you know, post-pandemic at the same level that it has. And so our numbers are showing supply dropping off a little bit, supply growth dropping off a little bit, but demand at least staying strong for the next year. Uh, And for a variety of reasons, a lot that we already kind of mentioned, still migration is happening. We know that when people move, they often have to store things for a month or two or potentially even longer. Um, there's still going to be a little bit of suburbanization push when it comes to residential. And a lot of those people are going to wait for those, ho- those homes to be built. We see how how long that's actually taking and how long that can take um, for newer properties to be built. So there's kind of an interesting situation right there. Um, but GDP... Of- Here's here's the macro story, which is gonna drive some of this too. We're predicting in 2021 real GDP to be about six and a half percent, right? I mean, we're we're talking numbers from China 10 years ago, right? In terms of GDP growth, not US 2%, 3% type of growth. So And then in in 2022, another 5% or so. So so that's a lot of GDP growth. There's a lot of activity. And I'll talk to to my folks on the macro side that are forecasting what's going on there and why they're predicting these levels of growth. And they'll say a lot of it has to do with excess savings. And then I'll ask them, what does that mean for consumer spending? And they say, well, there's a lot of pent-up demand. And there's two areas that's going to. One, it's gonna be going towards travel. People wanna travel, or yada, yada, yada. So that's not part of this story, really. But the other, they are saying that there's a lot of pent up demand for, for durables and for big purchases, especially if the, if the consumer confidence comes back, and it is, all indications are that it's coming back. And we saw that with vehicle sales, in the last month, seventeen point seven million vehicles—it um, it, it just a ridiculous number, boom-like numbers uh, we saw through through March. And when I'm speaking with them, and I'm saying, "All right, so vehicles aren't really going in self-serve. They are, but not at the magnitude that that was going to move the needle very much. But there's other durables. There's other things that they're going to be purchasing." Um, it could be boats, it could be other, you know, and there's just more stuff and oftentimes more stuff still leads to demand for self storage. So, so it's an interesting time where at least for the next year or two, there's still some upheaval, still some moves, people shifting around and people are going to be buying more stuff. And some of that stuff's going to need to be stored, not in their homes, but elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good point now that you bring that up. I know the boat sales are, went crazy in 2020, motorcycles, off-road vehicles, people trying to get out without being in a crowd and have fun. And and those things have to go someplace, right? Um, so that makes sense. And you mentioned um, the migration and, and that helping the sector. Um, how does that impact uh, performance in various parts of the country? Are there certain areas that may be benefiting a little more?
1: That's a great question, and we do see in the data that the growth regions and growth metros in the South Atlantic, South Southwest, there is a greater uh, greater growth of self storage. Um, not, and what's interesting about it, there's more speculative supply, but there's still a lot of rent growth there and in fact if you look at our metros in the first quarter of this year um you know out of the top 25 metros for growth i think it was somewhere half or more than half were in the South Atlantic, Southwest regions, the Northeast was was not anywhere on that radar. So, so there is a regional story here. There is a bias where it seems like the growth in self-storage on the um, the real estate fundamental side is where the the migration patterns are going and you know we just saw the census data coming out and there there was a migration you know moving in those directions what i what i refer to as smile states i love that term Mm -hmm. right if you picture somebody smiling and you go from raleigh and you kind of go down through 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 tennessee and texas and phoenix and up through um you know denver area and boise those are the areas where we actually do see um a lot of of uh, positivity in um, self storage?
0: So the self storage market's doing well. Um, you know, we're brokers in the Southeast in my shop, and we have a, a broker who focuses on self storage. And there seems to be a tremendous amount of of buyers of uh, equity uh, looking to acquire self storage right now. And it seemingly be a good time for some of these sellers while their occupancy is up. Uh, and uh, the signals are up to potentially sell. What are you seeing in, in your numbers for sales volume trends and, and cap rate trends?
1: Uh, really strong on the sales transaction side. I mean, there was overall through 2020 there was weakness across the board. Um, you know, so so we did not see the level that we had seen previous years. But already, you know, looking in from the deals that we're seeing in 21 really strong results. I think there's going to be a really interesting price discovery phase for all sectors, but I think also for self-storage after kind of a little bit of a low point um, through some of 2020. So, And what we're seeing on the cap rate side is that there really wasn't that much movement. Um, things were pretty level. And it's it's interesting, you know, there's put it this way, Michael, there there does not seem to be a sense that there's a lot of risk out there associated with self-storage at this point. Uh, I think, once again, going back to the fundamentals of supply and demand, there's this absorption, which is not really going away. There's supply that's slowing down a little bit. So there's a lot of, of desire here for these for not the units the the properties as an asset and if anything you know we could see a little bit of a compression of cap rates and certainly a compression of spreads going forward as interest rates are moving up uh due to the potential for inflation here you know that's my thought and i think that's what we should look out for is actually a compression of the spreads not so much the level
0: okay so, the cap rates um, have been a fairly steady. then, what are some uh, example uh, cap rates that you're seeing, say, for institutional quality product?
1: Yeah, so I mean, that's a really good question. we've It varies a little bit on the regional basis, but generally, you know, we haven't gotten to the the 3.5% that multifamily was trending at for a while. Um, but we also aren't at the, the risk level that we've seen some retail trading, which can get above 10% or so. So we're kind of sitting in that middle area. And I could see compressing down to five to 6% in some cases.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Tom, what would you leave our audience with to think about moving forward um, in the self-storage world?
1: It's, It's strong. The fundamentals are there to promote solid growth going forward we do not see a lot of headwinds. Uh, we certainly see more tailwinds. Uh, we do not think that it's overpriced. Um, so it seems to be a good time now for investing in this asset class.
0: Well, good. Well, that's a, a good place to end it since I'm a broker. <laughs> I, like, I like hearing that. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us, sir. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Michael. All right. Uh, And thank you for joining us around the country. So if you do own some self-storage and you want to take some uh, chips off the table, uh, get in touch with me. And uh, if we're not right to do it for you in the southeast, uh, we'll find you someone. Uh, Hey, and thanks for uh, sharing the show and thanks for joining us on uh, social media and for our show today. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. To appreciate the show, think about the opportunity to do business or refer business to our sponsors. Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial agent success strategies. For incredible commercial agent training, visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Core.Green. Use Ion technology to create a safer environment for your real estate. Visit core.green. For more commercial real estate intel, forecasts and strategies, visit CREshow.com.